Hello, this is Ken Ferry with this week's Boots in the Field report. As a season wraps up, a lot of growers are turning their thoughts to the 2021 crop. I've had several questions about treating soybeans. Is it worth the money? The answer to this depends on a couple of things. Are we planting early? Does the field have a history of seedling disease problems? If the field has a history of sudden death and we plan to plant it early, I would recommend an SDS treatment. You know, with SDS, we have the infection, which happens from planting to about V2. Ideal conditions for the infection to take place are cold, wet soils, slow emergence. Last spring, we had our April planted beans taking 35 days to emerge. And then some of them got to experience the freeze there on May 10th. Basically ideal conditions for the infection. After the infection, the second part of the disease is when it expresses itself during the reproductive stages. Wet conditions in the reproductive stages will wipe out a plant. In a short amount of time, it'll wipe out large areas within the field. While we saw a lot of SDS on individual plants this year, it was more of a slow burn due to the dry August, and the yields didn't get limited as much as we typically would see. By planting early, though, we are almost guaranteeing a shot at infection, leaving us in a risky spot to get ideal conditions during that reproductive stages and hoping that this disease won't express itself. Other seed-attacking diseases like the Pythium and the Rhizoctonia usually knock out the stand early and they're lowering those populations. Now we know soybean populations don't have a big effect on overall yield. If the population is too low, we also have a window to replant and salvage those yields. But with SDS, when we see that a problem is developing in the middle of the reproductive stages, the only management option you have is to adjust your yield expectations. Some growers have said, my fields don't have a history of SDS. And this may be true. You have to have the disease in the field to get infected. Be sure your pest boss agrees based on scouting which fields have or don't have SDS. Do this off the scouting reports and field inspection history. Not just this year, but the past 10 years reports. If the field has a history of seedling blight issues, usually due to poor drainage, I would recommend treating these beans no matter when we plant them. In wet years, a seed treatment can eliminate a lot of replanting. Insecticide into the treatment mix will give you a little more protection on those earlier beans. The portion of the beans, though, that you plan on planting in a more conventional time frame, after the corn is done and when the soils warm up, it's been harder in our plots to pay for these treatments with increased yield. Savings there would be from allowing you to plant a lighter population if you wanted to and maintain the same stand when you got done. If the field has not been in beans for the last three years, I would inoculate them. Let's make sure this bean can produce its own end. Other fields I would inoculate would be the acidic fields. 
Some of the new ground that we sampled this fall had some ferocious pH issues. If these uh, acid fields are going to soybeans, I would recommend inoculating them. In these acid soils, it's hard for the rhizobia bacteria to survive. The standard seed treatments in corn seem to be doing the job pretty well when it comes to managing disease. The insecticide package you add to it, again, that should be driven by the pest team's scouting reports for each field. Are we dealing with secondary insects, wireworms, grubs? Do we have a rootworm issue out there? Projected cutworm issue, let's say, due to planting into a cover crop? On top of that, uh, what are the trait or lack of traits that we're using, as well as planner applications and plan post applications that can clean up things like, uh, for instance, cutworm. So back to the question to treat or not to treat and with what should involve a discussion with the pest team on each field. Now is when you go back to those early scouting reports. Visited with one grower who asked, you know, last year it took 45 days for my corn to uh, get all up. Should I kick the rate of fungicide up in furrow to help this situation? Boys, the answer is don't put your corn in that situation. Plant with a soil thermometer and a future forecast, not by the calendar date. Another area generating a lot of discussion at this time of year is that area of variety and hybrid selection for next year. In the bean side, the discussion is usually focused around herbicide traits. Growers want to know how are the enlist beans or flex beans doing out there. Reports are coming in here both hot and cold, depending on the areas, the planting dates, the maturities. Guys are impressed and guys are not so impressed. We believe bean varieties have to prove their way onto your farm just like corn hybrids. Be careful leaving genetics that you are using now that are working for you and you're comfortable with to something that's totally new to your operation on a large scale. Due diligence in selecting varieties based on data that matches your management practices. When looking at plot yields, look close at the planting date and August rainfall on these soybeans. Just because it's in the same county doesn't mean it got the same rainfall in August. When selecting corn hybrids, be careful about throwing out a hybrid that has a good track record but disappointed you this year. Look for the reason why the hybrid lets you down. In most cases, it's either placed or managed wrong for this season. Let me walk you through a real life example. Using an upright leaf hybrid that is classified as a D hybrid in our yearbook, Company rating has it as a semi-flex. The grower planted it at a flat rate of 36,000, as he has for the past two years. Overall yields in the field were disappointing, with 100 bushel swings in yield. The side hills and the light ground completely fell apart, and the heavier ground, which did much better, but still overall the yields were disappointing. This hybrid was used mainly on his heavier farms in the past, and due to its high yields, the grower has spread it out across his lighter farms. 
when we digest what we know about this hybrid, we can see it was placed and managed wrong. Upright leaf hybrids harvest a lot of horsepower from the sun, which usually shows up in yield, but they will also burn up quick if they don't have the water to meet the daily ET rates. As we'll talk about this winter, our August had record ET rates in a lot of areas. Higher populations demand more water per acre. When we push a hybrid too far, it'll go backwards. This is evident in our fixed flex plots this year. Our D hybrids, again focusing on depth of kernel, they need the last 30 days of fill to get them to yield. So that's a combination of good ET rates, water to meet them, and lots of sunshine or solar radiation in the end of that fill period. A D hybrid with upright leaves planted at 36,000 on light soils, no rain in August, is going to get its teeth kicked in. It's fighting for survival the last 30 days. It's not working on depth of kernel. You could do the same thing next year and get rain whenever you need it. Then the same hybrid would kick it out of the park. Knowing this and gambling on the weather going your way is one thing. But throwing this hybrid out of the lineup because of the 2020 performance may be a mistake. Know your hybrids and place and manage them to cater to their strengths and farm around their weaknesses. Take this same farm. Use VRT to pull the populations down on those side hills and light soils while pushing in the heavier soils. Select a pendulum to semi-pendulum leaf structure to help protect the light soils. Choose a flex hybrid that allow you to lower populations without yield loss and stay away from a D hybrid if the field has a tendency to run out of water in August. D hybrids need August for yield. Take what you know about the field, what you are learning about the hybrids, and put it to use. Well, can I? I'd rather swing for the fence, pray for good weather, and rely on crop insurance if I don't get the weather. I have no problem with this thinking. If these fields are set up as individual units and you're willing to take that risk. But don't swing for the fence without insurance coverage. And then when it ends up being a swing and a miss, blame it on the hybrid. Hybrids should earn their way into your lineup and stay there until the hybrids are outperformed or the company discontinues them. Due diligence in hybrid selection. Don't throw it out because someone told you it's an old hybrid. Don't put all your acres in a new hybrid because someone has told you it's the greatest and newest thing. Use your hybrid plots to learn for yourself leaf structure, ear type, ear flex, Take this information to mitigate risk of the weather and weaknesses of your field. Don't use price as the first factor on whether a hybrid makes the lineup. Once the lineup has been picked based on performance and wanted characteristics and traits, 
then price and company service comes into picture. Now, company service is more than timely delivery. It's a seedsman that know their product and where best to place it and how to manage it. Standing behind their product when problems arise. Don't underestimate the value of a good seedsman when considering your cost per bag. Most of the guys here, as well as Erica at CropTech, are headed to the woods this weekend to do our part to control the deer population. It's a tough job, but somebody's got to do it. I want to wish all of you fellow hunters a safe and bountiful hunt. No podcast next week. We here at CropTech want to wish you and your family a very happy Thanksgiving. To stay up to date, check out our website at croptechinc.com and subscribe to our podcast, Boots in the Field Report. Keep her safe, keep her moving.